Welcome to Double Dose of Raw Talk Podcast, your weekly dose of many discussions and opinions, a show where we get comfortable being uncomfortable. And remember, no topic is off limits. Now let's talk about it. All right. I should have drank some water. Do you have water? I do. Okay. I need water because, you know, I lost my voice because, you know, the flu is being the flu. Oh, is that where you had the flu? Well, I got the flu shot. And so I'm one of those people that wholeheartedly believes that the moment I get the flu shot, I'm going to get the flu. Um, So, yeah, that's what it was. It was the flu. It was the flu courtesy of the flu shot. But (laughs) my voice is back. So welcome back, guys, to another week and another episode on Double Dose of Raw Talk podcast. I am your host, Misty. And today we're going to bring you another vibe. It's another vibe because last week's vibe was a whole vibe. And um, this week's vibe is going to be a whole, whole redhead vibe. So I have to say it that way because y'all going to see all, all the vibes. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited to have this guest on here today. I want to take it all the way back to the first time I met you. It was uh, Sirena, Sirena Robe, right? Sirena Green is teal, Sirena Teal. That's what it is, I think. Yes. Oh my God, I should have I should have worn my robe. Why didn't I do that? Wait, did you get the burgundy one too? No. Um, Girl, I got that one. I know that one was like... <sighs> And when she um when she like discounted it for the like one year anniversary, yeah. I like tried to get it and it was like it was gone. Up. Like it was gone. it was gone. It was gone because my dumbass was gonna get another one. So yeah, no, it was gone. Um, but anyway, so once upon a time, you know, your favorite host Misty went to this event. It was Balante HBO meets Vecina Couture. And I've talked about Vecina Couture here plenty of times of just how beautiful that event was and how beautiful it was for one to see people that I have been following, to meet new people that day, which my guess is one of them that I happened to meet that day and just like connected with since then. And I happened to that day also bump into a junior high school friend that turns out to be... um an attorney for, for for the CEO. So it was just so dope to like be in that moment, to meet people, just the food, the drinks, the energy, the music. It was just everything that a community needs. And I've talked about that event before here on this platform. And so here I am today bringing a guest on my show, someone who is full of life, spirituality, um positive vibes she gives you a dose of messiness though i'm gonna say that because i love it i love it it's just you always need that just a little bit um but you're very much so someone who knows how to share and and when i say share i mean i could feel it through your stories through what you do post through your captions you like to share what your journey is like and you share it very well and 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 it's not only relatable but it's feelable. And the reason why I'm saying that word is because that's a theme I've decided to highlight a little bit. It's one thing to see is another thing to feel it. Um, you could read it, but did you feel it? You know, do you know what that's like to really be in that moment? And so there's been a few things that my guest, um, Felicia Vega, welcome to the show. Um, yeah, you know, there's so much to you that I've 
enjoy learning about you and following you, right? And I would like for you to share a little bit of who Felicia is with my listeners, right? But there's just so much about you that I, I wholeheartedly feel there are very few people who know how to keep it raw. And I, and I take that with pride to say that, okay? Um, no shade to someone who doesn't. It's just very few people who know how to do that. And you are definitely a person who does. So welcome to Double Dose of Rock Talk podcast, Felicia. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a long time coming and I'm mm-hmm. so happy to be here. Um, mm-hmm. As Misty said, I'm Felicia. I'm 35 years old, Puerto Rican, a new redhead, um, <laughs> mom of a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, I mean, you basically said everything for me. I mean, I'm... Yeah. Like spirituality is my jam. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like this year specifically, I've like shifted from like organized religion to like a spiritual practice, mm-hmm. um, and that was like super important for me. Um, because when I needed church, I went to church. But I because I love community. Like, if there's one thing I love is to be around like-minded people. Um, so that's that's what church did for me. Um, but I, I just felt a disconnect with God. And I was like, I don't physically need to go to a church to experience God. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's basically what I've been doing this year. I've been keeping it all the way raw on my, on my Instagram. And I, I mean, I like you saying that my posts are feelable, like you have no idea like what that means to me because I'm very intentional when I post something and when I write a caption. A caption that you read of mine is never going to be like something I got from somebody else. It's usually Mm. exactly what I feel because I need my followers to feel what I'm feeling. And, And that's what's most important to me, like to be super authentic on my page I mean, we don't see that, you know, Instagram is everyone's highlight reels, you know, and Mm -hmm. I just like to keep it all the way, like 100. Like if I'm having a bad day, you guys know it. I'm having a great day. You guys know it. So yeah, that's, that's just, that's that's me. And I can't wait to dive into this conversation. Yes. And so, you know what? It's so funny because if you already listened to last week's episode with the guests that we had on. That's it. I highlighted how it feels for her, like all these different titles that she embodies, right? But it's so funny because it's so similar to what she said. And funny thing, Felicia and I are recording on the day that that episode came out. I know Felicia didn't get to listen to that episode because a lot of people didn't get to yet. So, but the point is, I believe so much in what's meant to be. This has been such a long time coming, but it's so meant to be, right? When you know, it's genuine when it's just so natural, when, when you're so aligned with someone and you don't even need to know that person, but you're so aligned with them. And so to hear you say that, right. It's like, damn, like I knew it. I knew it. Like you could really feel when it's someone so spiritual, when it's someone so genuine, when it's someone who really gives you who they are, you can really feel that. And you can really attract more of that and be attracted to more of that. Right. And so that that's essentially where I am right now in life and in the space that I'm in. And that's exactly what I want to share with my audience, because I think it's so important for anyone who's like, oh, I don't know if, I, if I'm all about that vibe. You don't know. That's the truth. You probably don't know. And you're probably closing out on it. You're probably blocking 
those blessings. You're probably blocking those opportunities to know what that really feels like. And when you do open up to that, oh, can nobody take that piece away from you? It's it, it's a whole other world. Like I'm with you on that, right? I know when I turn to God, I know when I pray to God, but there's just those moments where I just really need to be deep within myself. There's those moments where I, I need to speak to something and someone higher. There's something out there that I know is listening to me and I need to connect with that. And it's not just God. And that's what I wanted to share. I want to bring that energy here to this platform. And so if you already know, and if you're a new listener, you're going to learn today. This episode, like all other episodes on Double Dose of Raw Talk, we always open up with raw mess of the week. And so raw mess of the week, um, I usually tend to like highlight something relevant to what we're going to talk about or anything relevant to us or who we are, who I am, who my guest is, um, if we're two, com- two completely different people, right? And there is something that I came across and I was going to share it and it was on my Facebook, right? And I don't be posting on Facebook. I'm, I'm on this new vibe. I don't know. It's like I turned 36 and I was like, fuck this. Um, no, really. <laughs> and I turned 37 tomorrow. So by the time you guys hear this, I'm already 37, right? But Ever since I turned 36, maybe midway into 35, I stopped wishing people happy birthday on Facebook. You know how Facebook like reminds you of birthdays? Yeah. I stopped. And it's not because I'm a mean person or I'm a bitch. I mean, I'm a bitch, but it's not because I'm a mean person. I just feel like when I say happy new year to people, right? When I wish all those blessings, when I put out just a general message, I wholeheartedly feel that. I wholeheartedly send those blessings for that new calendar year, but also for blessings for you to see that new year of life, blessings for you to be around your family, and so on and so forth, right? And it's not that big of a deal to say happy birthday. I just truly do not have the time of day to like do that every single time it's someone's birthday. And so what I started to do was on Facebook, when I say happy new year, I also say happy birthday to everybody. And that's how I, that's how I flow out now. Right? I know it sounds so fucked up. I think, like, I, I think I started doing that like last year also. Cause it's just like, I, I don't have the time. I don't, I just, I can't, I don't remember. I can. I'm and sorry. I don't. And I don't get on Facebook. Like my platform of choice is IG. So like, you're right. nev- you're I never go- gonna get wished a happy birthday. <laughs> no. And I go to Facebook like really because you know one beautiful thing about Facebook like you get to connect with your international family and yes. I have international family so that's beautiful. But I just don't have time for you know to sit there and go happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. And then there's like a lot of November babies because people were having sex on Valentine's Day. So it's like too much for me. Like there's just like a lot. No, really. Like, no, seriously. Who told your parents to have sex on Valentine's Day? Like really? Like y'all really couldn't just go to dinner and that's it like who was thinking that right so it's just a bit much but I just don't do the whole like happy birthday like all the fucking time right anyway the point is I happened to go on Facebook because I wanted to post something about you know I'm finished with the survey this whole healthcare career thing I'm just I'm so at ease the feedback was great my results were great like I'm just really really happy about that yeah and now you know they show reels on Facebook Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if they couldn't just, you know, if the reels were not enough on IG, now they're on Facebook. But the point is, I'm a, I come across this reel that a Facebook friend has shared. 
And this is going to be messy. There's going to be some people who are going to disagree with me. I don't know if Felicia's going to agree with me or not. You know, there's always a friendly debate opportunity. I love that. But we are in a time right now where it's crazy in these streets in New York City. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's tough out there. Uh, The more violent, the younger or vice versa. Okay. These days. And this was not a reel of someone in New York City. You could tell. Okay. They were not from New York City. And it was a dad next to a young man. And the young man is going off. I mean, no, the dad is going off on the young man. Okay. And the caption says, father caught the son showing guns on live or IG live or something, weapons. And not even two, three seconds into the reel. Pops just his hand just goes from across the screen and slaps the shit out of his son. I'm gonna give props to the kid though, because the kid was like this, but he came right back to the camera. I'm gonna give props to that because I've been backslapped. Because yeah, I, I, yeah, I've been backslapped. Shout out to my back. mom. Yeah, shout yeah. out to yeah. our Latina yeah. moms. Yeah, shout out to that. But it was what the father was saying. Okay. <laughs> He just said, on, on, I think they were on live and maybe someone recorded it. I don't know. But he said, like, which one of y'all is going to pull up now? Which one of y'all is going to come get him? Because I'll be damned. You're going to be doing this. You're, no, you're not going to be out in these streets. Like, you're not going to be doing that. Like, he's going off about his son showing off weapons on social media. Mm-hmm. He told him. He, he said it. And you know what? I get it. But he said. You know, before anybody kills you, I'm going to do it. Before you go out there and you commit these crimes, I- I'm going to get you first. And I wanted to bring that out because half of me agreed so much. And then half of me was like, bro, you probably shouldn't have said that on, on live or whatever. Right. I think what the dad was trying to say was. Like. You're not going to go out there and hurt someone. I think it was all the emotions, all the adrenaline, all yeah. the anger that certain things came out of this father's mouth. That was probably mm, not the right thing to say, but I understood the why. I understood the anger in the sense of, I can't believe you, my son, you're doing some dumbass shit like this. And of course, I went to the comments and. You know, there was this whole gentle parent scene and, oh, my God, that's child abuse. And how can you hit him like that? And this is why he's showing guns on on IG Live or whatever. And I wanted to bring that to discussion in the table because I am a mother to a young man who's 15 years old. Um, I think he's a very great student, very dedicated. I'm very lucky for that. Um, I know you parent a young man too, who's now 13. And I wanted a little bit of your thoughts on that because also the way I took this man's reaction was he, he didn't see this coming. I took that reaction like this surprised him. And so I wanted your thoughts on that. Like, your thoughts on the type of parenting we have these days? Um, what's going on with our youth? Um, you know, times are different. Um, it, it's 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 scary. It's sad to me that a lot of our youth is is so involved in so many things that they probably shouldn't be. Um, and where do we see our involvement as parents? Um, kind of like you. Like I'm like on the fence. Mm-hmm. Um. 
And I'll tell you why. Because I feel like the way we grew up, I mean, I don't want to speak for you. Let me speak for myself. Uh, I'm like, we, I can't speak for you. I can only speak from my experience. But the way I grew up is, um, you know, my mother threw a chancleta if she was mad. She hit me mm-hmm. with a wire hanger. She hit me with a, an extension cord. Um, she, of course, has amnesia, and she didn't do any of these things to me now. But um, that's how I grew up. Mm-hmm. And realistically speaking, I don't know how many times my mom hit me. I still did the things that she did not want me to do. So mm-hmm. it was counterproductive. And to mm-hmm. me, I truly believe that hitting a child is abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It is a form of domestic abuse. You you are literally abusing a family member. Um, mm-hmm. The last time I hit my child, literally, he was four years old. As you can see, I wear rings. Mm-hmm. I did a quick back slap. And I busted his lip. And I vowed to never put a hand on him ever again. So I, I get it, because when you're when you're when you grow up in a in an environment where you're not mm-hmm. able to regulate your emotions, you just react. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I understand that reaction because I've been that like reactive parent. Mm-hmm. However, as Charles got old, I mean, like I said, I haven't hit him since he was four. Um, you know, as he got older, I realized that like, okay, I wasn't hitting him anymore, but I was verbally abusing him. Which is worse to me because words stick. Even though, you know, there's that saying like, you know, I'm I'm rubber, your glue, whatever I say, you know, mm-hmm. bounces off of me and sticks to you. No, like whatever you tell a person, whether you realize it or not, they may, they may start to internalize that. So mm. when I say when I verbally, when I say that I've verbally abused him, um, I'll say things like you're lazy, uh, you're bad because he did something that I'm not okay with. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, they internalize that. My action caused my mom to say that I'm a bad child. And therefore, I am a bad child, right? And I don't want him to ever internalize things that I say about him. So I've been very mindful about what I say, how I say it. Are there times where I lash out? Absolutely. But when I do lash out, I apologize to my son. Like, I'm not above apologizing to my kid when I know that I am wrong. And I think that a lot of parents, um, they have this dynamic where they want to control their kid. That's not something that I, that's not how I'm trying to raise my son. Like, Mm -hmm. I want this to be a partnership. I want him to have a say in his life just as much as I do. The only thing Mm -hmm. I ask of him is for him to check in. So I know where you at. I know who you with. But aside from that, I don't need to know your every move. Right. Like I tell him, like, I'm your mother. I need to know where you are because if something happens to you, I need to be able to tell the authorities. What were you wearing? Who were you with? And where you you were at. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all. Um, But going back to the dad. So I I understand, like, you know, it was his emotions. Um, And then the Mm -hmm. comments about, um, you know, before you go out and kill, like, I'll kill you. 
I feel like, I don't know how old this gentleman was, but I feel like that's like the generation above us. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I brought you into this yes. world, so I'm going to take you out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's verbal abuse. Like you're mm-hmm. literally abusing the child. Um, but I get it because he really, he wants to protect his kid and he just, he didn't, he didn't use the right words. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I kind of like you, like I feel for him, but I, it's a thin line between like trying to discipline your kids and mm-hmm. like trying to give them autonomy. And I'm still trying to figure that out. You know what I mean? Like parenting does not come with a freaking, you know, instruction manual, not one, two children are the same. Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, we're all learning as we go. Literally. I, you know, I, me, I, I, I agree with you. I, I want to say, so it's so funny. She was totally speaking for the both of us because that was exactly my childhood. Let me just put that out there. Shout out to my mama. I know she, if she hears this, if she understood remotely what I'm saying, she'll be like, esta mentirosa. That's not true. I never did that to you. Like, cause you know, th- she tells all of us that, right? But shout out to my mama, right? Because, you know, I want to say this. Um, I've always been a little bit on the fence with you know, the discipline that I got, look at it. I'm already calling it discipline, right? Um, you know, that, cause, cause that's how, you know, as is disciplina, that's how, you know, I disciplined you, you know, to slap you across the face. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 there's so much to that. Right. I remember one time someone said to me, well, it's technically abuse if you use a weapon. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, okay. So as long as it's just my hand, it's not a weapon. Like, and it's, and you know, I want to, I want to be clear on this. I am someone who has believed, um, that when there are parents who really just don't know what else to do, right. And they resort to whooping their ass. I get it. I don't get it in the sense that I've had to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't get it in the sense that it had to happen to me. I just get it in general because I can understand the frustration as a parent in general, right? Yeah. I, I can I can I can understand that, but I would hope that there is some form of progress to that because like Felicia, I know I didn't like to get hit the small amount of times I did get hit. So I didn't want to do that with my kid. I, I knew that in order for him to understand that certain things were just a, a hard no and a hard stop in this house. I did impose certain, like, I'm going to fuck you up if you do it. I'm not going to lie. I did. But did I ever need to get to that point? No. And and there's times that I sometimes say, I'm really fucking lucky that this kid is the way he is because I've heard stories. I I know some women that are like, as mothers, I don't know what else to do with him. I've tried my best. Like, I talk to him. I give him everything. And listen, I talk to him and I give him everything too. He earns it. So I give him everything, you know? So it's like, sometimes I say, is it really how we teach them? Is it sometimes some of us luck out more than others? Is it, is it all the extra work we put into it? To Felicia's point, right? I too vowed that in raising my kid, I never liked the times, the few times that my parents were wrong and they didn't apologize. And so I made that a commitment to my kid. I will always apologize to him if I fuck up. There was this one time, so funny, because I think that's what he was trying to say, this gentleman. He was definitely from our an older generation, probably like right above us for sure. Okay. Like we're in our 30s. He looked like he was 40-something, maybe almost 50 for sure. Okay. And um, 
I once, many years ago, and I said the stories here before, I once told Marcus, I brought you into this world and I'm going to take you out, okay? And I said it like that because he was being a little, um, you know, sassy with me. I, the next day, got home from work. And my dad was at the table and my mother was at the table and they were in their apartment and I thought my son was there. And they're like, no, he's not here. He's upstairs, but we want to talk to you. So I'm like, well, what happened? And they're like, um, if you keep abusing this child like this, we're going to report you. I said, abusing him? I've never hit him. And so they start smirking. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, he came down here and he was crying. I said, crying? I saw him. He was fine. What happened? He has that down to cry. I think 50% of him did it on purpose because hmm. he knew he's a baby. But 50% would probably at some at some given moment said, oh, shit, my mom is going to kill me. But he went and said that I threatened to kill him because I had said I brought you into this world and I, and I could take you world. out. And so in that moment, talking with my parents, you know, we talked about it. I said, but you used to tell us that all the time. I never sat there and cried to grandma and said, oh, my God, my mom is going to kill me. And it's funny how, you know, we say we're not going to repeat certain things or we're not going to do the same things. And there I was in a moment. I did repeat something. Didn't seem nothing big to me. And it did impact him in some way. And so I had to learn from that, too. And I wanted to be fair with that real. And I wanted to be fair with what's going on in the world today. And I say that in the world because every day, I, I don't even have cable anymore. I don't want to watch the news. Me either. I'm, I just, I, I just, there's so much just going on. I just, I don't want to. And, but there's social media and you see story after story after story. There's just so much violence. These kids are out there. I, you know, I, I feel, I feel for just society. I feel for the parents. I feel for these kids. I don't understand what's going on in the world right now. Right. Yeah. But to see that dad react that way, for one part of me that understood him also gave him an applause that he is an involved father because a lot of the time we're still not seeing that we're seeing more and more dads involved, but we're not seeing, you know, enough i want to yeah. say i, I want to be fair on that and I, I i i did see a very concerned emotional hurt with all the anger father who was just like oh no i need to stop this now and that's what i think his intent was i'm not yeah. sure if he quite delivered it that way and i wanted to bring it to raw mess of the week because i can't see how it could be a little messy when some parents are totally just you know against that type of discipline and some parents are just like nah he needed an ass weapon right and the reason why i wanted to bring that to the table is because a lot of it has to do and it ties into our childhoods and you know felicia already highlighted a little bit of that and it's just a food for thought it's a food for thought for any of my listeners who are parents who are not parents who might want to be parents who just became parents the truth is and thank you felicia for saying it there is no fucking manual to this shit um babies are babies as they grow up some might pinch some might pull hair some might bite and you know it's like oh my god no no do that like there's just so many things we're learning as parents our children are learning along the way and i think the key component i want to take away from this because it's been sitting with me heavy which is how the world is right now and and 
it's not that it's messy. It's just a mess right now. Um, is becoming very involved and being on top of your children and, and not to the controlling point, but just knowing their whereabouts. I I've had to learn how to let go and trust a little bit more. And I have a little bit, my son knows I don't like the lies, so he better not lie to me because I don't like to have trust issues with my kid. But I also try and tell him, tell me where you're going and, and try and understand why mm, I'm not so crazy about where you might be going. Maybe you guys could go somewhere else. I, I know certain neighborhoods. I come from certain neighborhoods. You want to be cautious. You know, you want to. So I, I try and have those conversations. New York City is a little wild right now. <laughs> Not a little. It's 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 a great dose That's of wildness right now. Statement, girlfriend. It's an <laughs> understatement. But I understood this dad, and so that's yeah. why I wanted to open up the show. And you know, let me know if anybody agrees or disagrees or just wants to agree to disagree. Uh, but yeah, that I I needed to put this shit out there, and I was gonna share it, but I didn't because I said not. Because if I share that shit, all my Ecuadorian family is gonna be like, bien hecho. That's that he needed to get. And uh, no, that's not what it's about, no. people. I can't have that my dad would probably be like the first one i see mismo like that that's exactly and i just i can't have that right yeah. so we're gonna go right into the second segment and that is as raw as it gets and during this segment i want to highlight a little bit with you the reality of loving our loved ones and still speaking our truth Okay. okay. Um, we clearly just backed right into speaking our truth, right? And the slight amnesia our parents may have, um, you know, with, <laughs> with our upbringing. <laughs> but what does that look like for you? Because I, I want to be honest, especially during the holidays, right? People, you know, family, loved ones seem to think that, oh, you could just forget what happened like five months ago it's the holidays we're all just gonna be together and it's not always that easy you know um there's a reason why there, there's a cousin missing or there's a reason why the asshole and so didn't make it you know there, there's certain reasons to that um some may call it boundaries some may call it lifelong resentment um you know there's a mix in that but what does it look like for you as someone who is vocal and you love you love your loved ones. What does that look like for you while still speaking your truth? <sighs> so it it hasn't <laughs> been easy, girlfriend. It just mm. hasn't been easy because like we already said, like that generation, uh, my mom's generation, my mother's a boomer. So that generation and especially Latino households, um, you know, they have their secrets. Right, that nobody mm. speaks about, and no, you know that tío that doesn't come around, que se yo que, um, and yeah, so that's that generation of secrets, and I, like, I can't live my life with secrets. Like, I just, I feel super uneasy. So it mm -hmm. took a lot of like personal, like my own, like I literally had to like go on my own. And like, tell my mom, like, you don't have to understand what I'm doing, but you got to let me do it. And my mom has always been like my biggest supporter. She may not agree with every decision that I make, but she has mm -hmm. always told me, like, if that's what you want, go for it. If, if that's what you need, go. Like, she's, ne she's never told me, like, I was incapable of doing something, achieving something. Like, my mom has always been my biggest cheerleader. So when I was like 
when I broke, because I started my like self healing journey when I broke up with my son's father mm-hmm. five years ago. We were in a really toxic ten year relationship, um, and in you know in this last five years, I've been uncovering a lot of like deep rooted traumas that I didn't even know I had experienced. Um, you know, in my early years. You know, people say your mind is a powerful thing and it's going to protect you. Um, It sure does. Um, So there's been things that have come up that I've had to, like, you know, talk to my mom about. And then, like, then she starts telling me about her life. And I'm like, pero ven acá. Like, I'm repeating your life? No, 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 no. It stops here. Like, literally, like, she told me, like, the story of, like, her and my dad and how things, like, transpired. And I'm just like, yeah, we're not Mm -hmm. doing that anymore. Um, So, I, you know, I had to, like, and I moved out of my mother's house three years ago. Um, Because we, you know, I lived with my mom literally my entire life. We were there until Charles was 10. Mm -hmm. I, like, just had enough. I was, like, like, me and my mom, we fought, like, cats and dogs when we lived together. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what we need is space. Like we're literally up up uh, up under each other's tits. Like so, same, <laughs> same apartment. I love know? it. Up each other's up each other's tits. Like when I there. fight with my sister, like today or tomorrow, because we fight every day. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go to my house because we're up on each other's tits. That's what I'm gonna say. That's right. Um, <laughs> so you guys lived in the same apartment. We lived in the same apartment. Oh, that's close. Yeah, like close, close, girl. Like and close, close. Yeah, super close. And I was like three years ago. Like I was, you know, applying to all these housing connects, and I was like, I don't yeah. care where I land. I need to get out of this house. So I moved mm-hmm. out three years ago. But then you know the pandemic happened, so I was still stuck with. <laughs> Stuck with her for that time. <laughs> no, I wasn't stuck with her. I we actually our relationship grew during COVID, and I and I think I think um I think a lot of relationships either got closer or broke up. Um, and you know, lucky for us, um, it was a time you know because my mom has a lot of health issues, and she's mm. she specifically has um sarcoidosis of the lungs, which is an inflammation of her lungs. So any, and like my mother gets pneumonia all the time, da, 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 and you know, COVID attacks the lungs. So mm-hmm. I was like protecting her, like in a bubble, you know what bubble. I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. and then, I mean, fast forward five years later into this journey, my mom has apologized about things that happened in my childhood. And like, we, you know, we've had like really deep conversations about her life things that happened, you know, when I was younger, things that happened that she Mm -hmm. never knew about. Um, And I feel like our relationship definitely got much closer once we were, you know, we we got the space that we needed. Me and my Mm -hmm. mom used to talk on the phone like 10 times a day. And we lived Mm -hmm. together. Like Mm -hmm. there was like, there was no, like no boundaries when it came, like we were totally enmeshed, codependent, you name it, that's what we were. And I was like, mommy, this isn't working for me. Like, it really isn't working for me. So I had to set boundaries. And at first, like, she was, you know, of course, she was like, tú no malcriada, tú no me llama, tú no me quiere. Like, you don't even call me to see how I'm doing. And it's like, mommy, when, when I have the space, because as you know, I'm a mom, I work, everybody needs me at all times. And I was my mother's, like, 
caregiver for years. My mother's a breast mm-hmm. cancer survivor. So mm. there's been a number of times where I've had to parent my mom. And I was just tired. I was tired of having to do everything for her. And I was like, Mijita, you're going to have to figure out life. You can't depend on me. My mother's also legally blind. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, it's a lot. It's a yeah, lot. It's and a I lot. get it. And I'm like, I'm like, but mommy, I understand you brought me into this world. However, I don't owe you anything. I owe you nothing because I didn't ask mm-hmm. to be here. I didn't tell you and my dad to get all freaky deaky and get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that's, and especially in Latino households, they feel like entitled, like, yo te di todo. I gave you the best, you know, I sent you to the best schools. We lived in the best neighborhood. You had, literally, we had everything brand new. Girl, when the, when the new Playstations came out, we had them. We had beepers before anybody had beepers, okay? In junior <laughs> high school, I had my little beeper. My mom would beat me, and I would get home, and I'd be like, yes, mom, I'm home. The mira, the first cell phone, the you know, saved by the bell cell phone. We had that like my mother made sure that we had all the latest gadgets. Yeah, like we yeah. never whatever we wanted, we got. You got. Mm. Right? But like I explained to my mother, I didn't need your present, your presence. I needed your presence. I, I needed did. you to be here. Because my mother worked like an al- like I was gonna say an alcoholic. No, she did not. She no, was she a didn't. workaholic. Workaholic. Right. I, I knew what you were saying though. <laughs> um, I knew it. She was a workaholic. Like my mom literally, like she had cabs pick us up from school and take us home. Because she had really good relationships. The gypsy cab? You know, the you know the Dominican, you know the base. <laughs> she would call the boss and she'd be like, boss- Mira. She'd be like, mira, vete a recoger a Felicia y Phil. Tú sabes dónde están. And they'd be like, okay, no problem. They will pick us up, yeah. take us home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but like I told her, like, I I loved that you provided everything that we needed. Like, we went on vacations. We did all of the things. But I, what I really wanted was my mom home with me yeah. and spending yeah. time with me. And um, all of that to say that, like, it's been a journey, um, but you know she's more independent now. She's doing her thing. We talk maybe twice a day, <laughs> um, unless unless like you know there's a crisis happening because you know I'm always mm-hmm. calling mommy. Like, mm-hmm. how do I do this? Mm-hmm. But like, mommy, I know how to cook, but like, how do I cook this? And she's like, <laughs> you know what she tells me? She's like, Felicia, tú sabes cocinar, and then she goes, this reminds me of when she first got married with my dad because my grandfather was a chef. So she would call my grandfather and she'd be like, oh, how do you make this? And he would tell the same thing. Like, Lydia, tú sabes cocinar, ¿para qué tú me estás llamando? And she's like, it's just because I wanted to hear his voice. I wanted him to tell me how to make it. And she's like, and I realized that that's what you do now. And I was like, I do. So yeah, I know so I know how to cook funny. shit, but I really will call her and I'll be like, Ma, I know how to make you know, I know how to make ground meat. Like I know, mm-hmm. but like Como se hace? how do you do it? Like I'm not <laughs> I'm like, you don't wash it, right? Because that would just be weird. <laughs> Girl. I love this. I do, I love it. I love it. I love so, it. So yeah, I mean it, it's been a journey, but I feel like mm-hmm. my mom allowed me 
to do what I needed to do um, and heal so that we could come together and we could have like healing conversations. Like, I think my mom has told me secrets that she's never told anyone in her entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that because that's all I've ever wanted to like have a really good relationship with my mom. Like, I don't want to fight you. Like you brought me into mm-hmm. this world. Like I want, mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I want, you know, to just call you for something stupid. Or right. to see how you're doing. I can't... Well, I do text her because she has, like, Siri text me. But it's so funny because when she tells Siri to text me, it don't be making no sense, right? Sense. So, I, so I'm like... I call her and I'm like, Mommy, what were you trying to what? say? And she's like, Ay, esa jodilla Siri otra vez. And I'm like... <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. My mother speaks English, but like when we but, talk, for whatever reason, she talks to me in Spanish. Um, mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, this Siri, Siri never understands me. And I'm like, I'm sorry. So I love it. You know, it's <laughs> crazy because um, I think that we sometimes have to go through certain life changing moments um, for our relationships with our mothers uh, to shift, pivot, you know, maybe th- those words. Um, I feel. I I'm with you on that when I I now live in a home in my own apartment but it's a multifamily home. Okay. So we all live here. But I mean why, you can go to you your know. space. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> like when I get pissed off and I curse everybody out, I I just come over here and I slam the door and nobody ever visits me, which is perfectly fine. But um you know, it it's I remember when I left my home the first time. You know, because I thought I was a grown ass woman and I was in love. Um, I was never nineteen, but it, it was it was scary times, right? And and I don't know if I ever shared this this part of the story here, but I remember one of the best things about that was I didn't live with my mom anymore, and so I used to call her and we would talk, and we would talk every day, and you know, I, I it took a while before my dad and I started talking again because I did hurt him in, in leaving the way that I did. Okay. But when I when we did finally like, you know, gradually just go into the new normal, I would call my dad. We would talk on the phone too. You know, I'd I'd come and visit and the relationship was different. And in a sense, like I remember when we did, you know, create some form of boundaries and some additional lines of respect, how much easier it was to, to have a stronger bond. And I do feel like now that we're so much closer, um, it's a little difficult to, to get back to that. It's, it's difficult to be able to have those bonds. And so recently and lately, there's been like a lot of things going on. Right. And I've had to really, um, reflect on my role as a Latina daughter, right? And I want to specify that because Felicia said it best. You know, we grow up, like my mom never said, oh, ustedes me tienen que cuidar. You guys have to take care of me. She never said that to us, but we kind of have that feeling. It's like we're, we're, we're raised into that. Like, oh, and like, if something happened, like who's going to take care of mommy or who's going to take care of dad? Like me and my sister have it all planned out now. We like literally have planned out how this is going to look. Meanwhile, our parents are like, no, we're going to go live by ourselves. Like, and we're like, but what happens when you're, we're, we're going to figure it out. We're, we'll go, we'll go into a community or something. Like they're like also speaking, like in a sense, like it's not used guys obligation. Like we also have to face that reality. Like you guys have your own homes, your own family, your children, you have your goals, right? Like 
there, there's been more of those conversations happening now. And, and it comes along with having to speak some broad truth to our parents. I've had to sit there and have certain conversations with them, um, with them, not him, with them. Um, mostly recently with my dad, um, because I did mention this before on here, my dad had a health scare. And so certain conversations started coming up with that. Right. And the truth is, and this is something I've discovered recently, which is so perfect to have this conversation with you because it's part of that healing journey. There is a lot of things that I could sit here and say, my dad made so many errors on this. My mom made so many errors on this, right? Mistakes here, mistakes there, right? And so, A, my commitment is I shouldn't be repeating those same mistakes. I should not be doing that to my child, right? Or putting my child in those situations, right? Yeah. Cool, great. But then it's also, at what point do I not start truly understanding my parents and to truly start being that Latina daughter that could make things a little different, that could shift things a little different, that could pivot things into the right direction. What does that look like for me to be able to say, I'm I'm still going to be there for you. I'm still going to love you. And of course, if you need me, sure. But I need to be able to tell you, not today, dad, not today, mom, not my chance. Like with this survey, there was so much going on that I've been helping my dad with and and for 2.5 seconds, I felt so guilty that I forgot to send an email. And he got a little angry with me. He's like, you know, I, I'm just waiting on you. And I just, I turned around and I said, I know, dad, I'm sorry, because I did tell you I would do it. But also, please understand, this is what's happening at work. And so I had to give him that moment to explain in a way that he could understand my life, my responsibilities, my world. I had to understand in that moment that my parents really don't understand. They know I'm a mom. They know I work. They know I have a career, but they don't know like all the nitty gritty of it all. They don't know everything that falls into certain things of what life is like for us now and why it's been important for us as Latina daughters to be able to say, give me space, give me a chance, like, hold on a second. Like I'm, I need it. It's like, I'm going to need you to hold on. Yeah. And that it's not that I love you any less. And I think it's important to highlight that because I know people, I know, I know people, I'm not going to call them friends. I just know people in general that have said, Oh, you know, I told, I told my mom this and she real quick went into, Oh, so you don't love me after everything I did for you and all that. And it's like, bro, it's like, I kind of feel like that's a sense of guilt tripping. It feels like, you know, shifting that like anger onto that person and just saying, be mad at yourself because you're doing me wrong after I gave you life, after I brought you into this world, after I've given you, um, what is it? Um, a roof, a roof over a your roof head, over your food head. and Ooh, clothes, clothes and all this other stuff. And it becomes an issue when A, we're trying to break a lot of these cycles, you know, we're trying to continue doing better. We're trying to continue uplifting the next generation into doing greater things because they can be greater. They can do greater. But if we don't keep breaking those cycles, we're just going to keep repeating the same shit over and over again. So I wanted to highlight what does that look like for us as Latina daughters, right? Yeah. And how it looks like when it comes to, I want to say our mothers. And I'm going to tell you why. 
because I, I appreciate that you said that you've been able to, she's been able to share secrets with you. Um, because I do feel that there was a point in my mom's life where she let me into something very sacred to her. It was a secret. And this was many years ago. And it had a lot to do with her own healing. And I'm very proud of her that she did many years ago. And I remember, I remember when she would be so committed to this and it helped her. It helped her a lot, right? There is a movie. It's so funny. This is why I always say these conversations flow so genuinely and naturally. Because I didn't have this in the agenda. But there's a movie that's been resonating with me. Okay. Um, like Water for Chocolate. Have you ever seen that movie? I don't think it, I've it actually. I know it was, it was a, a book. book. I don't think I've actually seen the movie. I, I'm almost positive. I, I definitely read the book. You know, I'm a, right. you know, I read books. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I know that. That's why I was shifting with this, right? Um, I read the book, but there's something always about the movie. Like, I like seeing a movie that complements the book. I okay. love that. But it, it gave it more life to me, right? Okay. And essentially, there was like this old school, very traditional. Um, it was, I believe it was Mexico, the setting, but very traditional in a lot of Latino cultures where like the youngest daughter is not to be married. This was many, many years ago mm -hmm. because she is responsible to take care of the mom. Yeah. So like if you have like, let's say three daughters or four daughters, all the other ones could get married. But if you're the younger one, you had to take care of your mother. You were destined. You don't get married. You don't fall in love. And so that was part of the story. It gets a little messy because homegirl, you know, her, the one she loved, married her sister. And then, you know, she was like sleeping with her sister's husband. So it got messy. But the point is, it was this, this, this tradition. It was, it was this cultural thing, right? Yeah. That she was it was like she was doomed from the moment she was born and and what they showed was that part she mm. was literally born la nana the nanny okay was like carrying her and she's like oh you're so beautiful like one day you're gonna fall in love the baby like is not even like two weeks old or like two days old and the mom turns around and tells her like don't say that like her destiny is marked like this is what it is and it made me think a little bit, right? I wonder what it was like for us being born into Latino families. Not that in our times, that's what's been going on. Yeah. But in many different cultures, right? When, you know, couples, right? Homes are deciding to grow their family. There's so many other traditions involved. There's so many cultural factors. And how are we breaking away from these traditions? You know, um, one of the things I hear often, I don't know if you hear this, it's not a tradition, but it's something that I feel it comes probably from this cultural stigma. I don't know. Okay. Is, you know, you have to have another child. You have to have another one. You cannot leave him alone. He's going to be alone. If something happens to you, then what? Who else is he going to have? And it's this pressure. It's this thing. I come from a family where there was at least two kids in a household. And so am I the weird one? Am I, am I the strange one? Like I'm being ostracized for this because no, Daisy only has one. Like, do you get that? Do you see that being a little bit related to like these, these traditions or these cultural factors at um, all? Yeah, no, I definitely get that. I mean, Charles was like months old and I, they were already asking me like, y el otro? and I'm like, first of all, um, First of all, I wasn't even supposed to have kids, okay? 
Um, no, like I literally had a medical condition that like they had told me I was going to need like medical interventions to have a kid, right? So Me too. Oh my God. Oh my God. Daisy, we're going to have to talk after this. But anyways, um, so they told me I was going to need medical interventions. Da, 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 da. Um, I don't know. My baby daddy must have had super sperm. Who knows? Um, and here we are 13 years later. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm like, bro. I mean, I always wanted to be a mom. And I always, mm-hmm. I, it wasn't that like somebody told me like I needed to have more at first. Because obviously when you're younger, nobody's telling you you know, to have children, but I don't know, for whatever reason, like I always wanted to be a mom and be like my mom, right? Like emulate Mm -hmm. your mom. Mm -hmm. So I always said, because my mom had two kids. Um, my mother also had like eight miscarriages and five stillborns. Mm -hmm. So we were her miracle children and Mm -hmm. my mom wanted 10 kids. And she said, when she had me and my brother and we were five and five, she needed no more. Literally. We were that much of a handful. Mm -hmm. She was done after two, but also I think after 15 pregnancies who the heck wants to go through another labor so i think i don't see your mom i hear you so i think you know she was done anyway but like you know i had my little partner in crime like it was me me and my brother a year and nine months apart so literally you were partners we were literally partners in everything Mm -hmm. like wherever and then like i said my brother's name is phil and i'm felicia felicia so I love it. It wasn't on purpose. We were actually named. It, it wasn't supposed to be like matching names. My my brother was named after Phil Rizzuto from the Yankees. And um, I was named after Felicia Rashad. That's why my name is spelled this way. Oh, my God. This is like so amazing. Yeah. I love this. So um, <laughs> there's the backstory of our names. But um, yeah, it was just it was the two of us. So I always envisioned at least two. A boy and a girl, because that's that, yeah. that was us. We were a boy and a girl. Yeah. Um, and but I but when I was pregnant with Charles, like I I knew he was a boy. Like everybody was like, it's a girl, it's a girl, it's a girl. And I was like, it's like, a boy, no. it's a boy, it's a boy. And they're like, it's a girl, it's a girl, it's a girl. Sure enough, like whenever whenever you get to find out the sex, I was like, let me know, let me know. And I was like, there goes his penis. I told y'all, told y'all I knew what I was having. Um, but yeah, like once he was a couple months old, like they were like, y el otro. and I'm like, can I get over? I also like dealt with postpartum with him. Um, mm-hmm. like after, not with him, but like after, um, yeah, after, yeah. so girl, I wasn't thinking about no other kid. I barely, uh, well, whatever, we curse you I was like, oh, can I curse? Yeah. I barely gave a shit about this kid. You know what I mean? Like, if he ate, if he, ch- like, no, like, Daisy, literally, I slept all day long. I and I fun. literally, like, I would do the bare minimum. He cried. I knew it was time to give him a bottle because I tried to be- breastfeed. And for whatever reason, like, he would, he just wasn't latching on. And like I said, I couldn't care less if he ate or not. So once I tried, mm-hmm. he didn't latch. I said, tu no quiere. Okay. I would grab the bottle. Oh. Se lo metía. He would knock out. I would knock back out. When my parents would come home from work, they would take him. And kudos to my parents because literally, I say this all the time, like the first four years of his life are a blur. I don't mm. remember it. I literally don't. And my mom and my dad, 
literally stepped in because although I was with his, uh, with my son's father, he was actually dealing with um, health issues himself. He, he had end stage renal failure and he was dealing with dialysis and all of that. Um, so I, I, even if he wanted to support me, um, and co-parent with me, like he was literally just trying to stay, he was literally just trying to stay alive. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, getting back to the topic at hand all the time, like they still (laughs) ask me and I'm like, he is 13. Why? Why in God's freaking green earth would I start over? Because I also, I also like, I've seen parents like that have children and have such an age gap and they're like, Mm -hmm. great, they can help me. And I never, (laughs) no, but I actually don't want to put that pressure on my kid. I say that all the time because <laughs> he'd be, he'd be saying, my, you should get married again and have another baby. I'm like, are you going to babysit? Are you going to babysit? Like, cause if you're going to babysit, then great. Say no more. We, yeah. I'll yeah. do this. <laughs> but you know, it, it's not that easy to, no. to, to your point, Felicia, it's not that easy. And even then it's like, at the same time, I'm like trying to tell the kid, you want to go away for college? I'm down for it. You know, I would love for you to go to a city where there's family. So that way I know you're not all alone. You know, you have family around. I want to see him do the things yeah. I didn't get to do. So it's a big commitment for me when everybody's like, yes, get the otro. you have to have another one. Like I see it as what if I have to do it alone? I don't want to, but what if I have to do it alone? I can joke a million times that I'm going to leave that baby with the big brother, but he's going to have his own life. You know, he's, he's 15. If, if I do this again in the next three years, he's going to be a whole 18 year old. That's not fair. You know, I could joke all up and down and all around, but that's not fair because I want him to live life the way I chose not to because I left my home at 19 to pay rent. Yeah. You know, to be grown woman, you know, so I want him to know what it's like to be 18, be 19, you know, have a, have a, have an experience in having a job and going to school or, or whatever it is he wants to do in life that he does it with a passion and let that be his focus yeah. and not having to help his mama raise a child, you know, because to your point, and I agree with Felicia so much. And it's so funny, Felicia and I have like a similar lives. I always say I help my mom raise my kid because I went right back to school when he was three weeks. Um, I was in school from nine o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night, two days out of the week, I think, or one day out of the week, it was impossible for me to be a mom during that time. Like I told my mom, you teach him and then you teach me because I I don't know how to do this. And I have no shame in that. I always say it. My mom is, is who helped me. My dad did this too. Like if it wasn't for them, I do not know how I would have ever learned how to be a mom. I, I have no shame in this either. I don't like to cook. I don't want to come home to cook. Oh my God, I don't have time to cook. Either. I don't. <laughs> so guess so guess the spoil the spoil that I have downstairs. They my mom cooks. My oh. sisters right across the hall. <laughs> they always have food. You know, and, and don't get me wrong, there's times that I'm like, Marcus, I'm gonna make this today. All right, mom. Oh, it was good, mom. And it's good. It's yeah. good. Like I have a different relationship with cooking now. I have a different relationship with food now that I've had to unpack. Ooh, I unpacked so much through, through food and health oh, coaching food. with Naomi. I did. I, I don't know if you know who Naomi of is. Of course but I do. Yes. Yes. I know Naomi. Hello. <laughs> I've unpacked so much that I actually enjoy it now. Yeah. And, and he, he enjoys it too. He loves it, but 
the time sometimes is a lot. And so to even think of this cultural thing of you can't leave him alone. He needs a sibling. What if something happens? It's like, where is all this pressure coming from? Like our, our parents' generations, I don't know if it's the same for your mom, but my mom had a total, it was seven of them. And there was miscarriages and stillborns. There was two sets of twins. God rest my, my grandmother's soul. Like that's a lot of pregnancies like to, to go through. And those were even bigger families. And each kid had like four kids. Like that's a lot, you know? So we're coming into a whole new thing now you know there's some of us who are in our 30s and do have four or five kids some of us just don't some of us are calm cool and collective which is one maybe two you know like i have friends who are going on to their second or have had their second and you're right it still happens the baby hasn't even gotten the second month shots and they're already like oh are you working on the next one is the next one coming like because you know you could get pregnant now it could just happen and i just think there's just so much um revolving around this like culture thing that we have to reproduce we have to have a big family but i can also get them solo so that they're not by themselves so that you know and then it's the whole pressure of well we got three four kids so now we got to leave them something and something happens to us so now we got to do this and we got to put more pressure on ourselves and work until the death of me to be nah if something happens to me whatever i got goes to him that's just one fucking kid, y'all. One. <laughs> That's it. Like, I don't need to feel the pressure yeah. on it being another child. Either that or Jesus, God in the universe, can send me a rich husband and I'll marry him. And that's it. That's that. <laughs> but I wanted to highlight that um, because I do think it's a lot of cultural shit that revolves around a lot of these things that we're either trying to shift, pivot, or just break away from. Another component I wanted to highlight this in this segment is how has growing up Latina, you as a Latina daughter, impacted for you and how you cope with raising a young man. How does that look like for you? So make sure to come back next week and join us for part two of this pretty dope conversation with such an amazing guest. Talk to you later. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And we are live on your favorite podcast streaming platform, Make sure to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to subscribe, rate, and review. Talk to you later. Bye.